F1's coming home to Silverstone, and home hero Lewis Hamilton is hoping he can make the British Grand Prix the start of his fight back against title leader Max Verstappen. Hello and welcome to another F1 Strategy Report recap. My name's Michael Amanato, and this is a preview of the 2021 British Grand Prix. For Heeltrend.com, socks inspired by iconic cars. Use the code word STRATEGY for 10% off. Let's take a look back at the previous race at Silverstone, 2020's 70th Anniversary Grand Prix. This was the second race in a row at this circuit. Mercedes easily took pole for both, and Lewis Hamilton controlled the first race, even after he suffered a tyre failure on the last lap. But at the second race, Pirelli brought softer tyres, and these proved Mercedes' downfall. Faulty setup assumptions and a decision to limit practice running on the hard tyre left it unprepared to deal with crippling blistering on Sunday. Red Bull Racing, on the other hand, had its car in the sweet spot, and Verstappen was able to run rings around both Mercedes drivers for a comfortable victory. There was some tension inside Mercedes afterwards too. Polketa Valtteri Bottas slipped to third at the flag behind Verstappen and Hamilton, and the Finn was scathing of team strategy post-race. I debriefed this race with BBC F1 commentator Jack Nichols, and this features some retrospectively interesting commentary about why Red Bull Racing is so sharp this season after years out of title contention. One of the themes leading into this weekend, the fact with these softer tyres, was that none of the teams actually really used them in practice at all. Some teams used maybe one of the medium tyres. Renault, weirdly, did use a set of the hard tyres, and that kind of came back to bite them in the end. But it did mean that, you know, if you wanted to find some mitigating factors for Mercedes, they didn't really know what they were getting into, did they, by the time they got to the race and the tyres were just not working for them? No, and I guess ultimately that's their choice isn't it you know <laughs> because uh, because that's the that's the scenario that they chose to enter and i think there uh, i think those are mitigating circumstances for sure and i think the tires especially after all the tire failures the week before in silverstone in the british grand prix there was already that concern that going softer on the tire compounds would 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 make a big difference i think that was that was a that was a strange one and obviously everybody knew because the soft tire last week was was not great and people were complaining about that straight away so you know make it a step softer and and you're going to be in a world of trouble and they couldn't avoid that world of trouble i would imagine that everyone could sort of see it coming or mercedes could see it coming or see the possibility of it coming but but couldn't react in order to uh, to mitigate against it and still win the grand prix which with two cars at the front of the field to be honest they they sort of really still should have done over the over the course of the weekend. It's not a huge criticism of them. Still, you know, a second and third. Yeah, good effort. But um, I think uh, there's still a definite disappointment that they finished 11 seconds behind Verstappen. The idea that, yes, these tyres were probably too soft for this circuit. I mean, no one even wanted to use the soft tyre at all in the race. Kevin Magnussen retired because he ran out of usable tyres. Like, that's fairly drastic. But yeah. It did mean we got two stops and one stops, and that's kind of what Formula 1 wants to happen, isn't it? And it didn't feel like, for most of this race anyway, there was a lot of aggressive tyre management. Certainly some were doing it more than others, but it wasn't one of those races where everyone's really taking you know, 10 seconds off the pace. Maybe this is the way, you know, should we be having more aggressive tyre choices like this rather than keeping it kind of safe to stop people complaining, which seems to be the prime reason Pirelli tends to play it conservative. We go round and round, don't we? Everybody loved Canada in, was it 2012, I want to say? Alonso coming through the field and it was a crazy race because the the tyres were, were, you know, failing or running out of grip and falling off cliffs and everyone was like, let's, you know, we want that. (laughs) Then we go... So they probably go, oh, okay, 
And then they build the tires, and then we have four stop races or something. And everyone, oh well, we can't push on these tires. We want tires we can push on. But then I think the, the we don't we didn't get that. I don't think we get that when we get the one stop. I think I don't think we have drivers pushing, mm-hmm. and because they can only do a one stop, they're still. It feels like they're still saving tires to not do a two stop, right? So we're in this position where because a lot of the times, um, you know, we get technical briefings from the teams and and that sort of thing. And they say a two-stop is kind of pretty much the same, but you lose track position. So why would you possibly do it? It's why we get the train races in Monaco and Singapore, because they know that the person at the front at the train can just go really slowly. No one can overtake them. That means they can do a one-stop, and that means they can win the race. And so it's that. It almost, for me, it needs to be that a two-stop would be quicker but you lose track position. You know, that's the sort of dream scenario is that the one stop is uh, the sort of safest route, but the, but the two stop is quicker, but you lose track position. Because at the moment, one stop and two stop are fairly similar, but the two stop puts you out of track position, out of sync with other people, gets you bogged down in traffic, you can't overtake. And so you've got to go one stop. So it was interesting watching Hamilton come through and, uh, and fight back past Bottas was, you know, fairly entertaining, although it had a certain sense of inevitability around it, especially with DRS as well. So I don't know. Strategy's really strategy's really difficult, and I, I don't <laughs> think I know what I what I want from Formula One, honestly. I don't know I don't know if I want two stops, I don't know if I want three stops, would I like four stops? Do I want one stops? Do I want them to just go flat out from the start of the race to the end of the race? I don't know, because you tried every which way, and it feels like the, the grass is always greener sometimes. Let's look at the race, I suppose, uh, itself a little bit more, because while, in the end, it turned out the Red Bull racing car was just better on the day, it had better pace, uh, because it was using its tyres better, it was dealing better in the heat, all around the package was just more competent on this race. There were a couple of key factors that really brought that home, and I think ended up tripping up Mercedes. And one was that Max was the only driver to start the race mm. on the hard tyre after doing it in qualifying. Only just got through to the top 10 shootout, qualified ninth in Q2. It was a bit of a risk. And I got this sense, and I'm interested to know your take on this. We go back a little bit to the previous round in Britain, where... You know, Max said, okay, he was happy to finish second, but clearly there was a win on the table there. They weren't to know it, of course, but after Bottas's tyre failed, you know, there was a chance that Hamilton's was going to, but they didn't go for that aggressive option and they consolidated second. Whereas from this weekend here, from the start of qualifying with this tyre gamble through to the way they really applied their strategy against Mercedes in the race, we got that aggressive old Red Bull racing back. I really like how aggressive they are and they risks they take and but but at the same time i think the only reason they're they're able to take those risks and to be a racy aggressive team is because they're not good enough mm. and that's the that's the strange scenario everybody slates ferrari <laughs> and rightly so they've had some shockers but mercedes mercedes have i can't remember the exact numbers from the graphs after the various races but Mercedes have improved by, what, three-tenths of a second, a lap or, you know, something in that region. And Red Bull are basically at the same level as they were last year. Obviously, Ferrari have lost a lot because of engine and all of that kind of stuff. But Ferrari get slated for not catching up with Mercedes. But there comes a point, doesn't there, where, where Red Bull, with all their resources and infrastructure and past success... Okay, they don't have the the budget necessarily of uh, of Ferrari, especially, but 
should they be doing better? Do they have this um, reputation as a great race team because they can start because they're in a class of their own? Because they're not as quick as Mercedes, but they are going to finish behind them, whatever happens. They're not going to be bogged down in the racing points and Renaults, so they can just be aggressive because they have no consequences in life. In the same way Verstappen can be aggressive because he's never been fighting for a championship. There's never been a title on the line. There's never been a, oh, better just collect the points. It's just do whatever you want each race kind of thing. So I think the um, the aggressiveness of Red Bull has been great to see, very entertaining, and it gets them wins like the other day. But I think if you offered them being an aggressive race team and really cool in strategy and pit stops and stuff versus actually being quick, I think they'd take the latter. So yeah. once Verstappen effectively had the lead at his first pit stop, lap 26, he had to pass Bottas, but that was pretty much a formality. Then kept him in check. They pitted on the same lap, lap 32, and that was pretty much the job done for Verstappen because clearly Mercedes didn't have the pace. But then there was this divergence for the battle for what it effectively was second between Hamilton and Bottas. Hamilton for a bit looked like he was going to try and stay out for a one-stop, but I guess they all remembered the exploding tyres from last week and thought better of it and eventually stopped a little bit later on. But I mean, you're right. They're usually so much about fairness between drivers, even if there's a little bit of tolerance there for them to try and fight each other. That's normally when they're very much in the lead and it's just a race among themselves. Mm. But Bottas here, the guy starting from pole, seemed like he was in a very good mood on Saturday as well, poor guy. And then all of a sudden, not really through any fault of his own because he didn't do anything wrong in this race. He managed the pace well, kept ahead of Hamilton at the start. But team strategy effectively left him defenseless against Hamilton late in the race, and Hamilton finished second and Bottas finished third. I mean, do you feel like I mean he's already 34 points down the championship now. This could become a real contentious point. And he sort of said it after the race, didn't he? He accused the team of sleeping. Yeah, exactly. That's the, and that's what the team have been desperately trying to avoid, is, is, is them getting sort of involved in their drivers' fights for the, for the title. So... I think it's um, it's an interesting one, and I don't, look, Hamilton finishing second in the 70th anniversary Grand Prix ahead of Bottas, that three-point swing, or um, I suppose a six-point swing between 18 and 15 points, that's not deciding the championship, is it? Mm. You know, that's not, I think if we were in a tighter scenario and this had given Hamilton an edge, or but Hamilton was so far ahead arriving to this race that I think it's, I think it's, contentious on a micro point and correctly contentious and i think bottas has 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 the right to feel a little bit aggrieved especially considering all the issues of before but you can't i can't help but think it doesn't matter (laughs) you know what i mean i think that's that's kind of that's kind of the point is that this isn't going to be the moment that the that the championship swings it's bottas is bottas blowing up his front left a week ago in silverstone is going to be way more of a Way more of a of a turning point than than this was, and look, maybe we've got more turning points to come. Maybe we've got more DNFs for Hamilton. Maybe we've got whatever. So I don't think this second and third swing, because also it was was it perfectly fair from Mercedes? Maybe not, but was it clumsily done? Was it? It wasn't. It wasn't Ferrari style team orders <laughs> that we saw in uh, Sochi last year, where it's all just a bit of a mess and the team have really let themselves down. I don't. You know, I don't think it was that bad from. 
from Mercedes on on this particular front with Bottas's strategy. Looking ahead now to this year's British Grand Prix, and Silverstone is a great place for Lewis Hamilton to start his fight back. It's a Mercedes stronghold, the team winning seven of the last nine races here. It's all about lateral load and even tyre wear, and increasingly about straight line speed, which ought to be Mercedes' strengths. It's a more extreme version of Paul Ricard, where Mercedes was slower in qualifying but faster in the race before Verstappen got ahead on strategy. But that was before Red Bull Racing brought its vans of updates to the races in Austria. Mercedes has an update of its own for this weekend. If competitive balance is restored, there's still fight in this title. If not, then Lewis Hamilton's outlook will become more grim. A further twist in this weekend is that qualifying will take place on Friday evening after just one practice session, and that'll set the grid for sprint qualifying, a 100km race to set the grid for the Grand Prix. Sprint qualifying is a 30-minute dash on Saturday afternoon without pit stops or other strategy. The sport hopes it'll generate pure, simple racing. Those more sceptical expect a bit of a procession as drivers keep their eyes on the main game on Sunday, when of course the bulk of the points are awarded. But it will leave teams with only one hour of practice on Friday morning to choose setups before park ferme conditions, which is sure to affect the competitive order and at least create some uncertainty for the race. So can Lewis Hamilton get his season back on track? I'll be back next week to debrief all the action. Until then, you can subscribe to The Strategy Report wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter for our regular pre-race strategy guides. The Strategy Report is a B-Mogul podcast. Special thanks to Ben Loke from Bloke Designs for the show artwork, and our theme music is by Simon Hosford. My name's Michael Amanato, and I'll catch you next week for a wrap-up of the British Grand Prix.